It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday august 1st and you're listening to episode 531 as always i am your host jason uh doing something new today i am recording in my studio with another person which is like the first time i've ever done this in my new studio setup and uh we're gonna see how it goes that person is kelly hoagland hello kelly hello jason uh, so Kelly came up here from um, the St. Louis area, the greater St. Louis area, uh, where Kelly lives. And uh, we're working on some co-designs, and uh, we are, yeah, we're hanging out, having a good time. Kelly went and saw cool concerts. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing. And we thought, well, as we're prepping for Gen Con, why don't we record an episode to talk about us prepping for Gen Con and it kind of talked through, uh, we did a while back where we had an episode where we kind of deconstructed one of our games and the process of it. So we thought we'd continue a little bit on that to explain where we're at with that game and also some new stuff we're working on and uh, yeah, and just kind of our hopes for Gen Con and that sort of thing. I promise we won't beleaguer the point of being nervous about Gen Con uh, that I've talked about for like 12 episodes on and off. I prob- we'll, we'll try and stay away from that as much as possible unless kelly wants to talk about that in which case he can because he hasn't had a chance to air his concerns so here we go okay yeah yeah so well why don't we start off just chatting about um what we're going to do at gen con and then we can kind of dive into the game prep and stuff um just because i think the least thing we have to talk about is probably what we're going to do at gen con um yeah yeah Yeah, i mean we've got and then a meeting we're excited about yes yeah, yeah we um so we had sent out um perfectly parceled to a company to take a peek at um kind of i don't know it felt a little like a long shot when we pitched it to them yeah uh at least to me i i kind of was like hey this could fit in this one company's line but anybody that's heard us talk about perfectly parceled knows that it's it's a different kind of game um not because of the way you play it but because of the way the game is is constructed right the the uh, materials in the game and everything uh the production would be a pain in the butt for a company yeah the theme fit really well for the company that we were reaching out it did yes but the the actual components and overall mechanics were pretty outside of what they they normally do yep and i think mechanically they so mechanically they asked us to make some changes and i I think i've mentioned that on the show before Mm -hmm. um it was just some simplification stuff and so you and i and neil we worked on how to simplify a couple pieces while trying to keep the core of the game still where it, where we wanted it to be mm-hmm. um and i think we've done that and then we oh so go ahead, go ahead. oh yeah no I said, and then we tried those out at a geek way right they worked yes. really well so. yep yeah and then so we sent a copy uh not too long ago uh i sent a copy to the company uh they tested it out and um they uh yeah i reached out to them and uh, it's funny because, you know, normally when you reach out to a company who hasn't got back to you yet, I basically was like, hey, I want to make sure you got this and see if you had a chance to play it. And I expected we've got it, but we haven't played it yet. Or we played it, but it's a pass. And they said, we played it. We loved it. Uh, and we think we have some ideas on how to make it work. And we'd like to talk to you about those. Um, and uh, I had mentioned we'd be at Gen Con. So they said, let's book a meeting for Gen Con and, uh, and talk about the details. Um, we assume, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we assume when they say 
uh, they uh, how they could make it work. They had some ideas on how to produce it differently mm-hmm. than we had originally intended. Uh, but their suggestions on producing, and I won't go into details on that just because I don't want to, um, yeah, because I don't feel like we should. But yeah. essentially not the way, you know, the plastic version we've done with the 3D printing yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they had some ideas on how to do it that were, were very different. But when I think about it, uh, would actually work really well, mm-hmm. depending, because there'd be a lot more flexibility in the artwork and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And at least their initial thoughts would keep the 3D <clears throat> portion of it, um, which I think... You know, first they had played it online with us, and it's a little hard to feel that 3D-ness and why it's so important. Um, But hopefully they got that out of the physical play of it, that the 3D portion of the game really does... Well, I mean, you can 100%, as they pointed out when they first played it, you can accomplish everything the game does uh, mechanically without having to be 3D, right? I mean, you just put numbers in the corners of the tiles to say elevation and things like that um but it's far less exciting it feels like um there's just something so aesthetically pleasing about the game uh and that has been 100 the consistent feedback we've heard from i think every single play tester is the aesthetics of the game are perfect yeah you know uh just something so pleasing of creating that rolling landscape that yeah 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 matching corner point uh point scoring mechanism creates it really does yeah yeah um, so, so we're excited about that. We've got that meeting. I think that's on Saturday afternoon. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying not to be too excited, but it's, it's hard not to be just because this is a game we all believe in, uh, a lot. It's, you know, the brainchild of the three of us and, um, we worked really hard on it and, uh, we just really would love to see this get in front of people. Um, yeah. So I, I'm really, really, really hopeful that the meeting goes well and that they, you know, have some cool ideas and that they're interested. And this is a company that um, has shown they're able to get things into mass market. Um, they're not a mass market company per se, but they're working to get things into mass market and are succeeding with that, mm-hmm. um, which is what we feel like is exactly the um, the demographic for this game. Yeah. yeah. It definitely is simple enough to approach a large much wider audience than the the hobby gaming and still allows for a lot of strategy and the way the scoring mechanisms work also the the company has a good reputation as far as the people work the the people working there yep and that is really yeah. nice as well that is yeah and it's not a company we've worked with before mm-hmm. um so that's exciting other than knowing the people i've known some of the people there for years but um yeah yeah and it's funny i haven't actually talked to any of those people the people the person we pitched <laughs> to is someone no, neither of us knew um, so that's funny. Uh, but anyways, so that on the Gen Con prep side, we've had to do zero for that other than just, you know, prep by being nervous about a meeting that we don't know what it's going to contain. Yeah. But that's, that's regular life. Nervous. Yeah. We're, we're used to that. <laughs> so, um, so the other things that I have going on at Gen Con specifically are, um, Trying to, uh, I have to run a few games. I'm running four games for Grand Gamers Guild of Tir Nanog. Um, so on the prep side of that, I have to get a prototype ready. Um, and we're still, you know, at the point where we're changing rules as we go and, and tweaking and developing. So I'm waiting until like the like two days before to make that prototype to make <laughs> sure that I've made the most current version of the prototype. And um, But I'm excited about that. I'm excited to play it. I'm hoping that in addition to the demos that I can play it with you, Kelly, and, and some of our other friends to try and get some thoughts and feedback on it. 
because uh, you've never have you did you nope. even play the original version? No, you've never no, played, I've never it? played okay. it. Okay, just know about the straddle drafting and yeah, so yeah, pretty cool. and that is still a, there's a lot that's changed in the game, but the straddle draft, um, which is where you've got a grid and you're placing coins um, in between cards so that you can draft either the left card or the right card or you know up and down. Um, it's uh, is really cool and really um, creates some interesting competitions and interactions. And one of the things we've worked hard in the game is, or I shouldn't say we, because I, we had a developer working on it, but now we have a different developer. Um, and Isaac has been putting a lot into it. I'm the one who's been able to put the least into these updates. Um, the uh, they've, they've come up with some different ways to make the grid more functional for different numbers of players. And that's been really cool. Instead of just using the same big grid that we used for four players, we've now honed it down to where there's a different grid for each subset of players, like a different size grid. Um, and that has really made the interaction tight so that, you know, because we were trying to get away from it feeling like there was no competition, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also not feeling like the competition is too fierce, right? Yeah. So uh, I think we found the sweet spot in there, and that's really exciting. Um. You are hopefully meeting up with some D&D &D friends yeah, from some, online. <clears throat> yeah, I got a couple friends I know from playing D&D &D online that are going to be there playing D&D. &D. Uh, so I'll try to meet up with them a little bit. The other thing I'm hoping to do is get a few playtests in of some of the prototypes we're working on mm -hmm. and prototypes I'm working on too. Yep. Um, those are the, the big things that I'd like to do. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, uh, we're, I'm not bringing any prototypes other than the ones we're bringing together. Yeah. Um, while I'm there, I'm hoping to meet up with Ken Franklin to talk about our game, Candlelight, um, that, uh, is, um, yeah, that, that is signed and we're trying to figure out all the ins and outs of that. And we've got a lot of updates on that. So we're excited to talk about that. And uh, it is funny cause I'm going to Gen Con to see Ken and Ken lives, uh, uh, about four miles from my house. <laughs> so, but we just haven't seen each other lately. Because uh, we've both been busy and traveling and such. So I, I can't wait to get back to that. Um, other than that, I don't think I'm going to have any other games to bring. There were some that I was hoping to bring. But I'm just not going to have a chance to get them ready in time. And, and that's okay. Um, you know, I don't know how much playtesting we'll get. And I don't want to shortchange any of the other ones we have. Like you said, you've got a couple. Yeah. We've got two together. We want to get some playtesting in on. And uh, so that's kind of the priority this time around. Um, and we're already looking forward to Grand Con and knowing that we'll get even, we'll get tons more testing in at Grand yeah. Con. So yeah, it's just after Geekway, uh, it was a real big reminder of how important the in-person play testings are compared mm -hmm. to the, uh, online. And so I feel like it'd be, it'd be a little bit in poor judgment to not take advantage of the opportunity to get in-person play tests in or at, uh, Gen Con. Absolutely. Yeah. No, great. Uh, if anything, Geekway showed us was, yeah, that the importance of that uh, physical testing in person. I mean, I know for uh, Michael and I's game before the light dies, every player that played it found a different way to break the system, um, including you and, and <clears throat> Nate when you played together, um, forcing us to make drastic changes. And I don't know that we would have found those online as easy as mm -hmm. we did uh, in person. So that that was fantastic. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I'm hoping to meet up with some different people at Gen Con, talk through some different things, but not a lot of specific events scheduled. Um, just trying to keep the schedule as open as possible so that we can have those meetings and, 
Um, well, I'm terrified of going in the vendor hall. Uh, it's one of the things I'm also most excited about because I haven't been at a huge vendor hall seeing all the pretty, pretty stuff and spending too much money on the pretty, pretty stuff uh, in a very long time. So uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really cool. And I agree, the vendor hall is, is kind of, it made me uncomfortable before COVID. <laughs> right. Just the, the press of people. But, yeah. But pick the right time, pick the right day, and probably get to see a lot of stuff without having to deal with nearly as many people. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I just saw actually this Wall Street Journal article, um, the, the health section, that said, um, uh, are you one of the people that's do- managed to dodge COVID uh, this entire time? And uh, it said, probably not. You just think you are. You probably had it at some point and just didn't realize it. Um, and my wife and I were talking about that. You know, and I, I say that to think about Gen Con with like the chances of like, obviously the chances of getting infected at Gen Con are higher because there's just so many people yeah. you're pressed together with. And uh, But it, it's interesting to think about the fact that possibly like our family had it and, you know, it came across as, you know, on and off. Some of us had like a cold for a few days um, and didn't think about it. And we tested negative. Uh, but that we very well could have just had COVID. Um, I don't know. That feels like a reassuring feeling to me. Like, I actually love yeah. the idea that I may have well, had COVID and not known, right? Well, that's that's kind of what we're going to have to work towards as a society anyways. Because if enough people get vaccinated, the, the vaccine, despite the new strains transmitting well through it, it's still providing protection against serious illness right. and right. hospitalization death. And if enough people get vaccinated, we can start thinking about it more like a flu yep. or something like that. The issue is all of the unvaccinated people that we have to worry about. Right. But the nice thing about Gen Con is... Gotta be vaccinated. Yep. Um, which reminds me, hold please, uh, listeners. Hey, Suri, set a reminder uh, for August 3rd to get your vaccination card to bring to Gen Con. Okay. Added. There we go. Thank you, Suri. <laughs> want to forget that. Yeah. Otherwise, we won't be getting in. You have your vaccination card, right? Yeah. I've okay. also got a picture of it, which has worked for... I think Gen Con might require physical proof. Okay. I, I have a picture of mine as well. So, yeah. Um, uh, that was a private look into my life where I add 70 reminders a day uh, so that my scatterbrain doesn't forget stuff. Uh, yeah. So, that's the big stuff for going to Gen Con for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We're heading down together. We're going to stay outside of town. Uh, we're still not sure how long we're going to be there. Uh, we won't get down till Thursday afternoon sometime. And then... Uh, yeah, we're not sure when we're leaving, uh, likely either Sunday morning or Saturday night, depending on how things look um, and how we feel. I know you and I both said that Geekway just drained the crap out of us. Yeah, it was it was a lot. And that was, you know, uh, like not even one tenth the size of Gen Con. Right. Or it was also shorter, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and it was so one of the things that was great about Geekway was it was so easy for us to just pop out and go like over to the uh the streets of st louis or whatever it was called uh, streets and of st charles yeah. streets yeah. of st charles yeah and, and have um dinners and stuff where we were outside and just away from people and uh yeah like so I- i'm really feeling like we're gonna be super drained uh through this whole process uh yeah yeah, yeah. i think I, I i think we'll be ready to come home early <laughs> we'll see um yeah, but I'm excited about it. But just uh, understanding that it's probably going to be mentally very, very draining uh, 
for you and I who are both not real extroverts when it comes to this stuff. That's, that's <laughs> very true. The last time I was at Gen Con, I definitely made use of that uh, the quiet room that they had set up. Yeah, I didn't, but I maybe I will this time. That's a good idea. Yeah. I tend to just like bop over to a hotel and go find a corner to hide in and just kind of hang out there. Or sometimes if you go to one of the hotels, there'll be an event room that no one's in and you can just go sit in there quietly by yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm a little less excited about the hotels only because I don't know what the mask policy will be over there. I'm assuming if there's events going on, you'll have to wear masks for the events but I don't. I'm assuming in the lobbies and stuff they won't make you wear masks. So I don't. I don't know how that works. Um, seems likely if it's not the official like right, Gen right. convention center. Yeah. So offsite. And and if there's one thing I've noticed, uh, once mask restrictions have come down, people are a lot less willing to put them back on. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I understand like wearing masks around town, you know, mm-hmm. like we'll go into a store or something. And I used to be the person that I'd get back to my car and I'd take it off. And now like I walk out into the fresh air and I'm like in mask off <laughs> because like it just, it's restricting. And after a while you're like, I know we felt that way at Geekway being able to go outside and be like, ah, fresh air. Yeah. Of course at Geekway it was like a million degrees. So that wasn't great, but yeah. And it's only hotter down there now. Right. I'm glad I'm up here in the frozen north uh, yeah. for the last couple Where it's actually not frozen. It's still hot as hell, but it's better than where you are. <laughs> well, comparatively. I mean, I'm right. wearing yeah. hoodies and whatnot when I'm going outside. Yeah, so. yeah. And I'm wearing shorts. And I, I guess I, I, mean, I pretty much always wear a hoodie. But. That's fair. That's fair. So, yeah. So let's talk a bit about uh, the games that we're working on. Um, right. Maybe start with uh, Minecraft Madness, just because we've talked about that a lot more extensively. Yeah, that was one of the games that we got some really great feedback on, on the in-person playtests. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, had somebody play it that was very much so not a thinky game fan, and very much so was not their bag uh, cup of tea, but got some great feedback from it and made some good changes. I feel like we've done, streamlined it a lot. We shifted from the 4 tile, four by 4 tile to the 3 by 3 tile. Mm-hmm. And, and simplified the tracks And on simplified it. the tracks a lot. Um and now it's much easier to get the paths built, and it looks a lot less terrifying when you're looking at the full Yeah, board. yeah. So for anybody who's not sure about Minecart Madness, we've talked about it a lot, but if you haven't heard those episodes, uh, or as a refresher, Minecart Madness is a game where you are descending into an abandoned mineshaft um, in a uh, experimental uh, old technology uh, cart. Uh, you're on these, like, crazy powered mine carts and uh you're gonna drive through there uh the mine shaft that's ever changing tiles are constantly moving and shifting and the tiles have as kelly mentioned the tracks on them and as you drive around in the mine shaft you are looking to do two things one especially you need to pick up as much treasure as possible picking up that treasure and then exiting is how you um is how you win if you have the most treasure uh the game is played over six turns now Five. Five rounds. Five rounds. I was going to say five, but for some reason I thought six. It's played over five rounds where each player will be able to move around in the mine shaft um, in their carts, and they will be able to collect treasure. They'll also, their mine, mine carts that I mentioned have power-ups built into them. You start with the power-ups, right? Yeah. Yeah. You start with the power-ups, but then you have to recharge them by driving over these specific power-up stations that match that, that uh, power-up that you have. And uh, it used to be that you'd have to collect them when you started. Now you just have them. 
because uh, that gets the game going a lot quicker. Yeah, and they are uncharged at the beginning. Uh, right, yeah, you've got them, but you just drive over them to charge. Um, and it used to be that once you picked one of those up, no one else could pick that up. Now they are always available to charge you. Yeah, um, yeah which worked out uh, great because and combining that with the limited number of rounds to get in and out mm -hmm. as... Because race uh, first player advantage is always an issue when you've got racing games. Yep. And yep. combining those two things, where the power ups can't be completely taken away and mm -hmm. limited number of rounds, so everyone gets the same number of turns no matter what. Yep. Uh, really uh, nullified that first player advantage. Absolutely. So that has been really good. We are looking to see if we need to do anything else for that by like maybe later players, right? Starting with more power ups. We've talked about like yeah. actually starting with charged power ups. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see. That's something we're hoping to discover while we test. Uh, but we've constructed almost an entire new prototype yesterday, actually here, mm -hmm. um, by cutting down the tiles that we had, the four by tiles, making them three by tiles, putting in those new stickers to cover that up. Um, we made all new tokens. We have a bunch of new fancy treasure tokens you can pick up and then the power up tokens, which actually just sit on your tableau. And we added a new tableau in, yeah. uh, we had had that in the online version, but not in the real version. Um, so that's exciting. And, um, yeah, I think the big feedback I'm hoping to get out of it is to feel like if we've hit the sweet spot of simplification, yeah. that anyone can play it now and feel like they get it yeah. and not have it feel too, um, too much, you know? Yeah. And I feel like with the simplification, uh, we were getting closer back to the original feeling that we were going for because yes. we used to really focus on that feeling of being lost in an abandoned mine shaft. And now with the addition of the simplification where you don't have to be thinking about jumping all the time or figuring out how to right. do that and you could, you're just flying along the track, we also increase the rate that the speed goes up on the cart. So since it's five, now it starts at four movement and then it goes six, eight, ten, twelve. Yep. And then every round, one of the tiles on the board is completely removed from the game. Yes. So yeah, that is the thing that we uh, changed. It's a really big deal that I forgot to even mention. Yeah. Um, that... Instead of just, you know, normally you remove a tile, you you put in a new tile and then remove a tile because there's this reserve. But now, at the end of the round, you're actually taking a tile and removing it from the game. Um, and that really makes a difference uh, for that feeling. Like, the, oh, yeah. like, we really, like, it's called Minecart Madness, right? You have to have that madness feeling. And, um, and we had lost that a bit in the thinkiness of the strategy. The madness was, <laughs> was you trying to figure out the strategy. <laughs> Um, but now, yeah, I, I'm really stoked to see how it plays. I'm hoping to try it with a variety of different people so that we can really get some good feedback um, on, you know, what people think about it and uh, what any pain points might still be on the game. Because I'm sure there are still some. I'm sure we need some more tweaking, but uh, I feel like we're getting really close to this being a pitchable thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's feeling a lot, a lot better because... And when we did our playtest online with it, the, the madness feeling was definitely there, especially because uh, when we were removing tiles, the way we were pathing, we ended up removing all of the tiles between us and the finish. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out how to get to the finish in time before getting trapped added a lot of the, a nice level of uh, that stress that we're looking yep. for. Yep. So yeah, so we're uh, excited to see how that goes. And like mm -hmm. I said, we were able to make that prototype uh, in a day, which was really nice. Um, we used every tool in our toolbox to be like, we 3d printed new, uh, tokens. Mm -hmm. We printed on sticker sheets and stickered everything. Um, made those new tableaus just out of cardstock. 
Um, and then, yeah, the board, the, the actual tiles uh, are made out of foam core. Uh, and there's 15 tiles in the game, plus a start tile and an end tile, which are not three by three. Those are three, two by six? Uh, three by five. Three by five, okay, yeah. And they're, so they're a little different shaped um, to add just a little bit of um, the idea being that we want to make it so that you're less likely to put tiles in a nice even grid. Uh, it you know it makes it a little easier for you to be forced to put tiles that are just a little off the grid to make the shape even more interesting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and we did remove some complex moves. Like Kelly mentioned, we removed jumping from the game, which jumping was a holdover from the original Minecart Madness, which was a straight track. Uh, it was just a straight track you were driving on uh, in a race. And so the jumping in that was really, the jumping in that did what we wanted it to do, which was you could jump to save yourself a bunch of time if you could create a cool gap to jump. But there was never any thinking to it because it was just, I made this line, I jump in a straight line. And with the way the tiles are now, it can be very hard to see that straight line we found um, for people who aren't us who've played yeah. it a thousand times. So we removed that. We also removed the ability to rotate tiles uh, mid-play, uh, which took away a lot of uh, a lot of AP, we felt like. Now yeah. there's only two actions you can do. You can move your speed again. Oh, sorry, you can move four, right? Or is it yeah, move? it's yeah. four. You can move four uh, once again, and you could do that once, or you could, um, what is the hop, other? Hop tracks, switch hop to tracks, an adjacent yeah. track. Which lets you jump to an adjacent track, not jumping as in jumping over gaps. It just basically lets you switch to an adjacent track going any direction. Um, it's it's really just there to make it so that you don't crash as much and you have feel like you have a little more control. Um, and so you're not constantly getting stuck. Because that 100% would happen if you couldn't oh, yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Combining that with the other power-ups that you can get really limits the, uh, the times you're going to crash into the edge. Yeah. And so this I, this game, I feel like, has been a testament to um, slowly taking um, the game that you have that uh, you've... I think it's a good example of where you feel like the game needs one more thing and you keep adding stuff. And then and the, the thing that was interesting was the game did need one more thing. Um, but we kept adding in new things, trying to find that one thing. Uh, and then we did find that one thing we believe, which is mm -hmm. that it needed, it needed a goal that wasn't just escaping with, with these gems. We needed to dissociate the powers from, um, from the end game. Right. And yeah. so for that, that's where the treasure came in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was an intense simplification, but it also did add just one more thing. Right. Yep. Um, so, so just a note for designers out there, like, you know, we took out a lot of stuff we really were, were passionate about in the game and um, and the trying in to not be precious about it. And uh, so, yeah, just, just remember that. Like, sometimes you got to cull stuff that you feel good about because it's just not working. Um, because I know that every one of the abilities that we cut, you and I felt like were super useful. Yeah. But other players struggled with them, and that's what mattered, right? Oh, yeah. We were making the game just for us. <laughs> we we're making the game for other people too. And it was easy to lose sight of that because we were with the game, starting with just one by one tiles, with right? Minimal power ups and nothing like on the tracks themselves for the most part. Yep. But, and then added layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. So we it was hard to see the any of the 
complexity we had created because it had grown with us. Absolutely, yeah. So, and we we did a lot of just um, designer playtesting with the two of us, and because that's what we could do, um, and that really does let you get to a comfort level that is really shows up as problematic when you show it to someone who's not one of you, especially like when we you mentioned we showed it to somebody who was not a strategic gamer. Yeah. Um, and we absolutely want non-strategic gamers to be able to play this because mm-hmm. the whole feeling of madness shouldn't just be for strategic gamers exactly so exactly and it it's kind of there is a uh, not a large level of overlap with the strategic gaming and the feeling of madness and rushing right right yeah i mean yeah at least especially the feeling of rushing and racing yeah um so and we didn't want to lose that you know mm-hmm. yeah so it's great and then speaking of games evolving over time uh <laughs> <laughs> this this game actually became, through multiple steps, the the other game we we're planning on working on. Yeah, um, so so the new game we're working on, uh, Maelstrom, is actually how many generations? That game has went through four major revamps. Yeah, because there was a publisher that sent out a looking for a path building game. You talked to me. We started working on Minecart Bandits. They liked that, but wanted a different fit for it, so we completely. Rethemed it for something else. Oh yeah! Oh and, my gosh! Yeah. And then they said they liked that, but had a couple issues with it, and so we completely rebuilt that. And then they didn't like that, but we had another idea for a theme that could work, and so we completely rethemed that again and rebuilt that again. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, well, what if we went not with an IP? Because everything we built after that had been specific for specific IPs, mm-hmm. and so we decided to retheme it. And make some major, uh, some minor changes to the way the gameplay worked. Right. To actually, uh, and that led us to the Maelstrom. Yeah, and so most of the most of the uh, IPs we dealt with were space based IPs. Yeah. Um, and so, so we have this path building game where you've got kind of like a a black holeish type thing in the middle that you're kind of you're kind of rotating around, um, while you're trying to pick up and deliver things was kind of the gist of the game. Uh, and you were building these paths nearer and nearer to the black hole to kind of shortcut your way around uh, the board uh, in an attempt to get to places faster. So I think one of the things that was tough was we were racking our brains when we stepped away from the space-based idea to um, figuring out, like, what are we going to do um, that's not space-based and I don't remember where the idea of the Maelstrom came from. Um, yeah, I don't remember either. Uh, we were looking for something you could be circling around, basically with something in the middle. And um, so we went with, um, in, in Rob uh, Couch, originally had a game called Maelstrom that he never really did anything with. There was a fighting game uh, in the middle of a Maelstrom. It was kind of taken from the idea of, it was like one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where you're um going in this circle trying to shoot cannons at each other while cutting through the middle and um and that was cool that was one of my favorite designs he ever had but he just he just never really figured out what he wanted to do with it um so we stole the name uh and a little bit of the concept which he does not care about i've told him that um he's not designing games so he doesn't care um and uh but we wanted to set it a little differently and not just have it be a game about pirates collecting treasure nothing wrong with that yeah. But that, there's a lot of that gets around, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, I feel like our theme is kind of 
um, loose at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So right now there is still collecting treasure, but it's, um, the idea is kind of, because it's a giant maelstrom, a giant whirlpool, a lot of ships crash. There's a lot of treasure and contraband on the bottom, but because it's a giant whirlpool, a lot of that gets washed up from time to time Mm -hmm. and the rocks and islands that pop up and as the tides rise and fall. So you're trying to get in and out and get the items off the islands without, uh, ending up tra- uh, trapped or crashed yourself. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea, right? Is that you are um you are going around in this circle um and there's an outer edge you can safely go around um without any being in the maelstrom. You're kind of on the outer ring of it. You're moving, but it doesn't it doesn't really affect anything. Um but then you can use tiles that have uh, maps drawn on them like like map lines drawn on them. That allows you to navigate your way through more towards the center of the maelstrom. Uh, the idea being there that when you do that, you obviously can go much faster. So instead of giving you a specific number of moves you can move on a turn, you can move an infinite number, uh, as in as many paths as you've built, which is of course limited. Uh, but you can kind of collect paths and and put more out on a turn than on a different turn and go further. Um, and you're attempting to weave through these islands that are popping up to grab the treasure off them. Um, and then the islands disappear uh, with new islands popping up. And so, yeah, it's like this recovery mission of grabbing treasure as you go around. I can't remember in this version, do we have you? Oh, yeah. Explain the the so. So in the original versions of the game, before it was Maelstrom, you would pick up uh, stuff. You had a specific amount of cargo space you could use, but it was just squares right look we had squares you just put um little cubes in it um and then when you would deliver you would just drop off all the cubes all the cubes were the same um and that was it uh but explain a little bit about the um the system for your cargo in this because i'm really excited about this was this was your brainchild and I, i i really dig it so we still have the limited cargo space, and now for the treasures, you're actually picking up cards that give your ship uh, special, uh, some of them give your ship special abilities or special qualities that will let you navigate better. Uh, some are just worth extra coin because the value is still what you're looking to get by the end of the game, and it's it's another game where you, everyone plays the same number of rounds mm-hmm. to help uh, balance that out. But uh, each cargo piece, each, sheep, uh, each piece of treasure you pick up also has a certain space that it takes up with the things that do the, the coolest stuff for you um, also taking up the most space. But they only have an effect while they're in your cargo hold. So you have to make a choice. Are you going to keep this around so you can pick up, so you can do more things and make more trips? Or are you going to drop it off for the value and have more space to pick up more stuff on the next time you get to the thing? But you can only drop off on your starting island. Right. And every one of those interesting things still has value to sell. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so it's a, you know, depending on the turn of the game, that very well may, you know, you might keep something early in the game and then pitch it later because now it's worth selling. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that just because it's it kind of gives that push-pull choice of do I hold on to this uh, to give me theoretically a better, you know, advantage, almost like a small engine building system within there, or... Yeah. Uh, do I just say screw it and I um, drop it off for the money and hope to get something else that's better? Yeah. And uh, I mentioned the the personal island. That was another thing we talked about because around the outer edge are the starting islands with each player starting on their own island. And 
essentially, if you have to land on their square when you're going around, you have to pay a port tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, because um, you do sell the things and get coins, and you would pay with that coinage. That's one of the, the reasons the treasure is worth coins as well, not just for selling it. So some treasures can be used as coins, so you can use that instead of dropping your endgame currency if you need be. Um, we talked at one point about if you land at somebody else's island, you can also buy the treasure that they've dropped off if you really want to use one of those effects. Um, yeah, so they've got to interact with the outer ring because it's not just about what's going on in the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also create, use the, so the paths, the cards you use to build the paths through the water also have things on the other side that can create benefits. Um, they can be played onto the squares around the outer safe edge. So you can set up a buoy uh, that provides a certain sort of benefit uh, that or re- uh, redirects people so they have to go forward one or go back one. Or right. the kind of st- standard things that might fall into a roll and move concept, but um, specific to the game that allow you to create the path and create a strategy around your island if you right. want to. Yeah, for instance, you could put... Uh, something you could put something behind your island or just previous to your island that moves you forward one square, and you could put some or one hex, and you could put something behind the island uh, that moves you back one hex. Uh, and what's so great about that is that gives a buoy to you that you are going to move into your island faster. But it also attempts to force other players to if they go anywhere on the outer edge that they're going to hopefully get pushed to your island and have to pay you a port tax, which is, of course. Yeah. That's a huge goal in the game is to get other people to, you know, pay you to help you win the game. <laughs> yeah. Now I forgot in previous iterations, uh, we also had a monster because uh, it's been a while since we've uh, gone over this. Cause right. We focused right. a lot on Minecart Madness. We also had a monster that lived at the center that you would try to avoid and it would move around and chase players uh, based mm-hmm. on squares that landed on it might move it. Uh, things you interact with in the, the center might move it. Uh I can't remember if we have something in this or just the danger of the maelstrom itself. Yeah, I don't actually remember either. Um, if we had talked about if you go through the center of the maelstrom, you lose something, or if it's just, or if there's a monster there. So in the last version of the game, at the very direct center, like Kelly said, there was this monster, and it would move towards you based on the cards you flipped um, for dangers. Um, and we do we still have the danger cards you flip, or do we get rid of that? I think we got rid of those. Okay. So yeah, so there may not be no there may not be a monster. So this prototype we're actually going to build today after we record. Yeah. So like Kelly said, we've been so focused on Minecart Madness that this one is a little less clear in our head, but we know that we need to get it out there to have a rough play, you know, and this will be a rough prototype. There's going to be some drawn-on cards for these hex tiles, um, but there's also going to be um, some, you know, other uh, some printed stuff and and we'll go from there to try and see what we can get over the course of Gen Con and hopefully get a real solid direction as to what the game needs. Um, the systems within the game work very well, and we know that. It's just reapplying them to this system to see if they are going to work in the way we're hoping they will now. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't another one of those situations where it's only been us playtesting this, because we have actually had other people playtest these. Plenty, yes, the iterations uh, of the game, yeah. The, the various iterations of in- the game. Including publishers, so, so yeah, so we're, we're excited about this version of the game. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's different than a lot of the different stuff we've seen. Um, the islands popping up and disappearing is really fun. Trying to steal the treasure off them, having the treasure that gives you power-ups, but you can also sell for money. Um, and the idea of having to pay other players, uh, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. Um, and this is another game where we're trying to really balance the 
we want it to have some strategy, but we don't want it to be overthinky with, you know, with yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, with the cards drawing, uh, we do add a different think point with the movement around the outside because um, with the movement around the outside and then through the center, uh, the way that works is you roll a die that has two numbers on it that up, add up to seven. I think we eliminated the the massive range of it, uh, but uh, you roll and you choose one number to move and the other number to draw for cards. Yep. So yep. you can draw a bunch of cards and barely move around the outside edge, mm -hmm. uh, which means you're going through the center more. I think we do have dangers of some sort in there. Otherwise, there's no real risk. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, we just need. I think we just hadn't adapted them from... From the space version, from yeah. From the space version, yeah. We'll be doing that today. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the idea, you know, is that the with the rolling portion, that was an idea you came up with, Kelly, the split die that always added a seven so that you could make the choice of... This turn, is it more advantageous to move more spaces uh, on the outer ring? Or is it more advantageous to draw more cards? And in general, it always feels more advantageous to draw the cards. Mm -hmm. um, but there are times when moving, you know, it's like, oh, I'm moving five spaces on the outside and only drawing two cards actually gets me to my island. Or yeah. gets me to avoid this other person's thing, you know. So that is all really, um, really interesting decisions you have to make that aren't super heavy, um, but still you know, are uh, hopefully interesting enough. Yeah. So in addition to uh, these games, um, you are bringing a couple that you want to test through. So yes. since we have time, I thought let's uh, explain some of those. You just made a prototype here yesterday, actually. Yes, I did. Uh, haven't settled on a name right now. Uh, kind of feeding frenzy inspired. Um, one of my favorite games, card games to play with people back in the day was ERS, Egyptian Rat Screw. And I really liked the... Um, sudden bursts of speed instead of just a straight speed game so the game uh focused on that it actually started um from another game that we play tested at geekway yes uh, yep which came from a uh actually feedback received from uh that same person that does not a strategic game player uh so one of the concepts uh, my background is behavioral biology focusing on collective behavior so swarms flocks all of that and there are very simple rules, one of those being you always align to your neighbor. So I really wanted to make a game that had a concept of being playing off of that where your neighbors did something you did. If you did something, your neighbors did it to a lesser degree. And that became the game we play-tested at uh, Geekway, and that kind of has evolved into two games, um, one of which is less designed, so probably won't be able to get that done by GrandCon, but the Frenzy one is more thoroughly designed, and that is one where you've got uh, it's a set collection game where you're trying to be the first person out, uh, and the way you get out is you, on your turn, you'll place any number of matching cards onto one of the six piles that are there for drawing, and as soon as you place those cards, the two people adjacent to you grab one card each, uh, first come, first serve, so speed burst mm -hmm. uh, from there. And then there are times when everyone draws a card, uh, and those are when one of the wilds is visible on the piles. So there are, it's seven seven suits of seven cards and so you're trying to create sets of either numbers or, or the uh, suits and if a wild comes up on there and the the piles the six piles uh everyone shoots as fast as they can so first one get that but everyone gets a card and then also whenever somebody completes a set of four or more from their hand and plays it to in front of them um, haven't decided on the word that's going to be what they have to say, but it's probably going to be chum or frenzy or something like that, something simple. Uh, then also everyone gets to shoot for another card from the center. Um, so it's that 
constant uh, bursts of speed and bursts of thing and having to pay attention and, and really be on the, uh, the focus for what's going on that and trying to keep track of everything you got in your hand so you know what to shoot for. That's the, the focus of that game. But the, going with the theme of the players on the sides having to react when you play something and right. pay attention. Yeah, yeah. As somebody who's not good at real-time games, um, I feel like the speed burst feels, you know, like I can think, I can calm down when it's not somebody's turn who's sitting adjacent to me. I don't have to care, right? Yeah. And then once it is, I need to be ready. Uh, and I like that idea because I feel like it's a little more manageable for somebody who's bad at speed games. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's I think that sounds cool. I know that um, the little bit of testing we did at the other place um, – at Geekway of the you know the other version not the other place the other version yeah. of the game uh, was was quite fun so I'm excited to see this new version of the game okay and uh, yeah yeah uh, thanks the other version is going to play keep with that same because the other version the main way you did it was on your turn you did your action you're always going to pass two cards to another player and then the two players adjacent to you would pass in that same direction right yep so if you passed across they passed across from them if you passed to the right they passed to the right. And that was how you altered the cards in your hand. And you could draw. If you drew two, they drew two. If mm -hmm. you scored two, they scored or one. And so that was how that played around. Uh, the way I'm planning on doing that uh, for the, the other game that's going to require a bit more thought into the design uh, is having the suits have different effects. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, some, uh, if you uh, pass them, they force the player to pass another card. If okay. you pass two of the yeah. same. So at playing off of the behavioral, keeping behavioral wild yep. aspect. Yep. Focusing on things like territorialism, um, flock, uh, stronger flocking behavior, migratory yeah. behavior, that sort of thing. That's cool. That's but, a good idea. But yeah. But that one's going to take a bit longer. Right, right. So maybe Grand Con. Maybe, maybe Grand, Grand Con. Con. Yeah. Maybe Grand so. Con. Yeah. No, the uh, other prototype I was going to try to get done in the next couple weeks uh, is the Die and Sell game. Oh, yeah. Die and Sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is a game where you play as a um, ethereal spirit, and you're trying to get cred in the afterlife by completing experiences that mm -hmm. people already in the afterlife want. So you're constantly being reincarnated, but there might be somebody in hell that wants to know what it's like to be a world-renowned philanthropist or something like that. So you have to then be reincarnated to a human being and live a life that allows you to do that and then die and go sell that experience to that person. There might be somebody in heaven that wants to know what it's like to get away with murder. And so you have to complete those round and round. So you're actually going to be dying repeatedly throughout the game, living multiple lives and getting those uh, experiences of that. And the way you end up in hell, heaven, or purgatory is by generating positive and negative karma throughout the game. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah by your actions. The actions you do, you actually do to the other players. Oh, nice, nice. So if you want to generate good karma by giving to charity, you give money to... The other the, players. The the player with the least money. Right. When you want to, if you're going to steal something, you actively steal something from the other player. And the way that balances is when you do an action to another player that's negative, mm -hmm. they get um, essentially wild karma for the action that they can choose to do that to uh, positive or negative or... Interesting. And so they get better control over where they're going for their life. And uh -huh. that's where the balance comes in. Because if somebody in hell wants something very bad, uh, wants to know what it's like to do something very good, you have to live a life that's very good and still end up going right. to hell. 
So right, right, right. This feels like good place. The the card game ah, or the board game. Yeah, that, I should uh, <laughs> should try theming that. <laughs> feels very much like that. Um, you could just call the game "Take It Sleazy." Uh, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. That sounds really interesting. So those are our big plans for Gen Con and beyond. Um, we're, uh, like I said, we're both pretty excited about being there. I, I would love to absolutely be able to see some people from uh, some of the listeners, uh, some of the builders, uh, and hang out. Um, yeah, so uh, won't be big on going places for dinner and stuff, but uh, would be interested in hanging out in, the, in one of the halls and playing some games. Uh, testing your stuff, having you test our stuff. We would love to hang out and do that. So if you're on our Discord, by all means, just just message me. Or you can even post. We have a dis, we have a Gen Con channel. You can post in there. Um, I don't know who's all going from the Discord because I, I wasn't on our meetup last week because I, uh, uh, I had uh, to go uh, move a couple toilets from my mom's house uh, in an emergency-ish situation. So, uh, which if you're not in our discord, I encourage you to check that out because it inspired, uh, a whole, uh, bunch of, uh, really interesting toilet humor, um, that, uh, was unexpected about, uh, starting a game company called two toilet games. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I feel like you should check that out. <laughs> it was really, it was one of the funniest things I think I've seen happen in our discord channel, but yeah, if you're not in our discord channel, join that, uh, message me. Uh, message whoever um and uh let's all try and let's all try and hang out at gen con and uh try each other's games because that sounds like a lot of fun so kelly but what are you what are you most excited about for gen con most excited about for gen con is probably the meeting with the uh, publisher because this is the closest i've ever been i know you're you're a seasoned professional with a plethora of published games, but this is the closest I've been to uh, getting a game published that I'm involved with. So really excited about that. Also really excited to uh, get to meet my online D&D friend uh, and playtest some games because, yeah, that was playtesting was my favorite part of Geekway. It's probably going to be my favorite part of this as well. But. Yeah, yeah. I So, you know, it's funny. You're like, oh, season, season professional. But, I mean, the truth is the thing I'm now most excited about is also this meeting because... I don't know for some people maybe like it gets old after a while but like the cons the, the chance for that new idea to get out there like that yeah. doesn't like that always like is exciting to me and um i just want I, I just want more games out there you know that people can play um just more more chances to win the spiel you know that's really <laughs> that's what motivates me is as everybody knows those are the games i design just games that i'm like this is gonna win the spiel uh, that's that's what motivates me. No, I I'm just really excited. I'm always really excited to work with new companies and new people, um, because those experiences are always so different. So the chance to be able to uh, to to do that sounds super duper fun, and uh, I'm really stoked about it. Um, but I'm also very excited about playtesting and hanging out with people. I'm not as excited about hanging out with people as I normally am, just because it won't be normal. But uh, but it'll be about as close as we can get it, right? The closest <laughs> approximation we can have at a super large convention experience. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that um, besides those things, really, I just, like I said, as much as the vendor hall terrifies me, boy, I cannot wait to walk around there and to buy some crap I don't need uh, and to buy some crap for my kids that they don't need. Like, I'm... <laughs> 
I'm really stoked about that. I, uh, it's like a gamer flea market, right? And we went to an actual gamer flea market at Geekway, um, and it was, uh, it was great. But this is like a gamer flea market with new stuff. But like, and I feel like the vendor hall at Geekway was like just a taste because it wasn't, it was like 15 booths maybe. Um, And they were all good. Like all the booths had good stuff, but you know, this is going to be like way more and I'm so excited about checking it out. Hmm. So excellent. Well, hey, uh, listeners, this is a little bit of a shorter episode here, but uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, hanging out and hearing what Kelly and I are working on and uh, hearing a bit about what we're going to do at Gen Con and uh, how we're preparing for it. I hope you're preparing for Gen Con is going well, especially when you're hearing this. You've only got a couple days left, so jump on that. Get it going. Uh, I hope to see you at Gen Con again. Check us out on the Discord to see if we can hook up there and uh, play some games. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, of course, you can go to buildingthepodcast.com. There you can find the link to our Discord. Join our Discord and let's chat. Uh, come to our weekly uh, meetups and uh, hang out with people. In addition to that, of course, you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, of course, find us on the Twitter, one of the easiest places to find us. Uh, the podcast is at podcastbtg. The, uh, I am at J.A. Slingerland. And Kelly is at Kenny Ho, K-E-N-E-H-O. Did I pronounce? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Oh, is it? I've always wondered. So, Keen Eho. Uh, Ken Eho. I don't know, like... Kinihia? Kinihia? Yeah, I, Kinihia. I don't know. Kinihia. Pronounce it some way. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. Thank you again for joining us. And until next time, good night. Bye. Building the game, building the game. With Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game. With Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's... When it technically ends.